I was prepared to preach this Sunday, but uh, Friday at riot night here, we, uh, uh, Pastor Tim was here preaching, and I was just like, man, this is a word not only for the youth, this is for our church. It's all about being witnesses. It's all about being mobilized. It's all about getting out of your comfort zone and, and, and getting on offense, church. That's where God is taking us. The church has been on defense for too long. It's time that we get on offense and take the fight to the enemy. Can I have a good amen? We're taking the fight to the enemy. And I'm telling you, when we take the fight to the enemy, that's where the real power of God begins to be demonstrated and the real love of Jesus begins to be manifest. And so, man, I really, I was like, man, this is a word for the church. And so, uh, Tim, thank you, Jesus. He, he was able to stay over. He's here with his wife, Jennifer. Raise, stand up, Jennifer. Give her a big hand, man. She's, she's such a blessing. And Max is here. Max is here running around somewhere. Max is always in a good mood. Max is always ready to pray and play, and I mean praise and play and eat food. 9 a.m. or midnight, he's, he's ready. That's our little boy. But uh, y'all know Tim, y'all loving me. Such a blessing to our church. Come on, I want you to give the best welcome that you can right now. Come on, let's give honor. Tim, we're so glad you're here. Give it up for Tim Timberlake. Celebration. Why are you standing? Can we give Pastor Stovall wings? His wonderful, beautiful wife, Pastor Kerry Wings, a big round of applause. Yeah. I know you're about to sit down. Stand up again. Let's put our hands together for Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, how many of you love him? I said, how many of you love him? We love Jesus in this church. We are Jesus people. It's always and will always be about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let me get a good amen on that if you believe it. Now you can take your seats. I'm Tim. I'm your, your crazy cousin that you ain't seen in a while. Got my beautiful wife, Jen, with me. We're happy to be back with our celebration family. And I got a word from the Lord for you today. Is that all right? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. I want to talk to you today. I had to give this message a title, it would be against all odds, against all odds. How many of you believe that you can win against all odds? That's a great golfer's clap, Tiger's on hole number nine, and he's just putting it in. I said, how many of you believe that you can win against all odds? First Samuel chapter 14. 
I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. It says, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around a pomegranate tree, around the rock of Ramon at Migran. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahatub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelites' camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozaz and Sinai. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was the front of Geba. Let's go across to the outposts of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. How many of you believe that? He can win any battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then Jonathan told him we will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, there where where you are, we're going to kill you. We will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are calling out of the hose. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Hebrew half a yoke, a yoke was the amount of land plowed by a pair of yoked oxen in one day. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. And the church said, amen. How many of you know uh, your praise should be so loud that it just terrifies the enemy? Two days ago, I was praying, and and the Holy Spirit dropped this in my spirit. Hell should know your name by your praise. How many of you want that that type of MO in hell? They they know me by my praise. Oh, there goes Timberlake again, opening his big mouth. There he goes with his hallelujahs and his amens. We, we, We surely can't win when he's praising. Is there anybody in here that got your mind made up no matter what the situation is? No matter what the circumstance is, no matter how I feel, I believe I have victory against all odds. Y'all mind if we pray? We're going to get right to it. Dimly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are the true and living Savior and your name is Jesus. So we lift your name above every other name today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to point your attention back to verse 12. It says, then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Jonathan said, come, climb right behind me, 
for the Lord will help us defeat them. I want to hop right into the bullet points. Number one, the Lord will open your eyes to see what he's already done. The Lord will always open your eyes to see what he's already done. Let me give you some backstory here. Saul is chilling on the pomegranate tree. He, he's chilling uh, in the shade. And, 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 and I just want to leave you with this bullet point. God can never do miracles in a shady place. There's some of you looking and searching for God to provide breakthrough, but you're in a shady place. You're not being real with yourself. You've got your good face, your church mask on. You're playing the masquerade party. See, this is a place that you can be real. This is a place where you can acknowledge you're broken. This is a place that you can acknowledge that you got some weaknesses that you're still working on. God can't bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless who he made you to be. He can't provide a miracle in a shady place. Come on out that shade. Get into where he's called you to be so he can bless you. Is there anybody that got your mind made up in here today? I'm not going to chill in comfort when there's a war going on out here on the battlefield. I'm going to where God has called me to go. Saul is chilling on the pomegranate tree. The word pomegranate in the Hebrew is the word ramen, which means to exalt to lift, to, to, to boast. And, and Saul is the first king of Israel. And so uh, if I was to give this the TIV version, which is the Tim International version, I would tell you that Saul is looking for someone to acknowledge his greatness. He, he, he's looking for someone to acknowledge the great things that he's done. This is what I believe. Saul represents a generation. He represents a generation that have seen some great things. He, he represents a generation that have experienced some, some great moves of God. He represents a generation who have now gotten comfortable in what was. But in order for us to continue to win against all odds, we have to remove out of our comfort zone and depend on God daily for what he desires to do. Saul, Saul is chilling. And I like this because it represents a generation. And in the Bible, uh, the Bible does not describe how old you are based upon your age. It describes if you're old based upon if you're dreaming dreams or if you're seeing visions. You, you know this scripture. Scripture says that your old men and women will dream dreams and your young men and women will see visions. You can tell how old you are by if you're dreaming about what happened or if you have a vision for what's about to happen. I want you to write this down. Sight is the ability to see things as they are. Vision is the capacity to see things as they could be. Saul had sight. He, he, he couldn't quite see what it was God desired to do. Jonathan had a vision. You, you know when you're getting up there in age, not by how you feel, but, but, but you know you're getting up there in age when you start relying on the things that God used to do. When, when you talk more about what 
happen than, than what you expect to happen, then you can determine your age. Is there anybody here that says the number of my age may be up there, but I'm youthful in spirit because I still got a vision. I still got a sight. I still got my eye on what God desires to do. If that's you, I dare you to make some noise in this place because you can see what God desires to do. I see victory before I ever walk into it. I see my breakthrough before I ever possess it. I see me overcoming before I even go into the battle. I got a vision and it's not determined by what's in front of me. Saul, he, he, he's chilling. He, he, he's laid back under the shade. And the Bible says that Jonathan, without even warning his father or, or the rest of the soldiers, goes and he grabs his armor bearer. He tells his armor bearer, hey, we're going to go over to the other side. The thing that I take notice of in the scripture is the Bible identifies some of the names of people that are in the shade with Saul, but it never calls out the armor bearer's name. And this is what I truly believe. You can always find people who desire to be comfortable with you. It's easy to always find people who, who, who want to relax and, 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 and lay back with you, but, but it's hard to find a person that, that's willing to go to war with you. It's hard to find a good friend that'll praise God with you when you don't have the strength to praise him for yourself. It's hard to find a real friend that says, you know what, we going to church today. I, I know this happened this week. I know you're in the middle of this warfare. I know you're in the middle of this battle. But listen, if we can just get the church, I believe Jesus has a word for us. If we can just get in the presence of the Savior, I believe breakthrough's going to find us. How many of you are grateful that God has positioned you with some real friends? Make some noise in this place. As a matter of fact, high five the people around to tell them, thank you for being a real one. It's easy to find people that are comfortable and stuck and, and not progressing and not going anywhere. It's easy to find somebody that is chilling at the house when they could be pursuing God. It's easy to find somebody to give up when things get tough, but it takes a real friend to stick with you in the thick and the thin. It takes a real friend to go to the mountaintop and the valley with you when you're in the middle of the greatest warfare of your life. Can we thank God that God has placed some real friends friends in our lives. He, he's sitting here and he, Saul is surrounded with yes men. He, he's surrounded with comfortable people. He, he's surrounded with people who will do anything to stay where they are. Are, are you a Saul or are you a Jonathan? The thing that I love about Jonathan, Jonathan, he told his armor bearer in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, let us go seek the Lord. Before you go into any battle, you should seek the Lord. See, God desires to be sought after. God desires to be sought after. I, I, I love this passage of scripture the team may or may not have it, but I'm going to read it anyway. In, in Psalms chapter 27, verse 1 through 4, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come up to eat my flesh, they stumble and they fall. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing, I may not have everything. I may not know all things. I may not have a lot of things, but I got one thing. Look what he says. One thing I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is there anybody here grateful that God opens up his doors for you? Is there anybody here thankful that God says you can come dwell with me? Is there anybody here seeking after God because you know he's a way maker? Make some noise in this place. when you're against all lies, when, when it seems like every door is closed, when, when it seems like there is no way, God says, I'll make a way. And, and, and if you're seeking God and the door is closed, that's not a no. It's just redirection to an open door. Don't get stuck at the closed door. Continue to search for the door that's open. Doors that are closed turn into hallways to lead you to the door that is open. Seek after God against all odds. The Lord will open your eyes to see what he's already done. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 12, it says, The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. The NIV version says, so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has. That's past tense. Listen to me. The battle you're in right now, the Lord has. I, I, need, I need somebody to get this in your spirit. The warfare that you are being presented with right now, the Lord has. That, that, that's past tense, which means the victory is already won. It, it means that no matter what you face, no matter how you feel, God has already worked it out. It means no matter what you're being presented with, no matter what they said, no matter how they're treating you, it is already done. Is there anybody in here that's grateful that Jesus has already won the victory for you? If you're grateful, why don't you holler at your boy for a moment? Why don't you take about 30 seconds to give God a praise break in this place? He's already won the victory you are victorious come on bump the person beside you tell them it's already done I, I know you don't see change I know you don't feel anything different I know you may have been through hell and back this week but it's already done and I believe that when you go back home today your circumstance will look different than the way that you left it is there anybody that believes that up in this place oh I feel like preaching now is it alright if I preach it how I feel it I said it's already done. Y'all sit down. Y'all making me nervous. We just on point number one. 
I got to get through this. Y'all acting crazy. The Lord will open your eyes to see what he's already done. This is riot takeover. And, 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 and it's incredible to see these young men and women giving God all they got. But I think it's a shame that the young people have to lead the charge in praise and worship. There should have been adults down here squeezing in and saying, excuse me, don't, don't, don't mind me. I, I know I'm not under 18. I, I know I got some gray hairs. I, I know I got some, some wrinkles, but God has just been too good to me for me to stay in my seat. Just, just can you give me some elbow room for a second? Hey, don't mind my hallelujah. Don't mind my amen. God has been too good to me for me to keep my mouth shut. Are there any people in here that said I came to give God my best today? Psalms 145 verse 1, the ESV version says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. What this means is the generation that is before us should be reaching back and pulling the generation that's behind us. Psalm chapter 102 verse 18 says, Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. You know what that means? That means the praise that I have trapped up on the inside of me is going to make room for somebody that's not even here yet. It means the praise that I release today may not be for me, may not be for my circumstance, but it's someone that deserves and belongs in celebration that's not even here yet. How many of you believe that there's a praise trapped up on the inside of you? Psalms chapter 119, verse 111 says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. See, the devil, if he can disarm your praise, he can defeat you. If he can get you comfortable on the pomegranate tree, he can defeat you. If he can get you to relax and, and take a day off, he can defeat you. You don't got time to take no days off. See, the battle is already won, but you got to be in position to receive the victory. God creates your destiny, but you discover it. When you're in position, you receive what it is that he created for you to see. God is about to show you what he has already done. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe you're about to see it? How many of you believe you're about to walk into it? How many of you believe that you're about to experience what God has already done? The second thing I want you to Take down as a bullet point. You can't fulfill your calling from your comfort zone. You can't fulfill your calling from your comfort zone. Some, some, some backstory, some, some history to what's going on here. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, 
the latter portion of Scripture. I'll read it. You can write it down. I want you to study this on your personal time. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19, the NIV version says, Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goats. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. The thing I want you to take notice of is the Hebrews had iron, but they had no blacksmith. They had the capability and they had the resources, but they couldn't shape what they had because there was no blacksmith. See, the enemy does not mind you coming to church. He doesn't, he doesn't mind you coming to church, but what he does mind is when you start applying what you learn in church and allowing the blacksmith, Pastor Stobar Wings, to shape you into what God created you to be. See, you already got the iron, but until you submit under good leadership, you have no blacksmith. And so the enemy allow you to come. The word of God says that, that the Philistines allowed them to come and sharpen their, 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 their plows and, and to sharpen their forks and to sharpen things that they could not use against them, but he would not let them sharpen their spears and their swords. See, the enemy does not care when you come. He, he cares that when you come, you, you sit on the good leadership and you apply the word. When, when you apply the word, the word begins to work for you. But if you don't work the word, the word won't work for you. See, you have to get on the blacksmith's teaching in order to have the iron that's in you shape. Is there anybody in here that says it may be uncomfortable? It, it may cost me something. It may be painful, but I'm going to allow the blacksmith to shape me. But, 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 but keep in mind, it said that, that none of them had weapons except Saul and Jonathan. So, so here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 14, Saul is chilling under a pomegranate tree. There's one weapon gone. Jonathan is with his armor bearer. The Bible says that there were only two weapons. One of them is in the shade. Jonathan is the only one that has a weapon. His armor bearer has nothing. But he has a word from God. Can you imagine how uncomfortable this was for, for the armor bearer? Well, we're going to fight. I got no weapon. We're going to fight Philistines, big people. Killers, giants, Ray Ray and them. <laughs> Jonathan, you got your sword. I got nothing. This is the thing I love about the armor bearer. The armor bearer said to Jonathan, when Jonathan said, let's go up, Jonathan said, let's go up. I, I believe that 
God is going to give us the victory. The armor bearer looked at him and said, I'm with you completely. Uh, listen, there's so much that's wrapped up in that. that. That means I may not have all the weapons. I may not have all the resources. I, I may not know how this thing is going to end, but regardless, I believe that God is with us, and if God is with us, who can be against us? Jonathan, I'm with you completely. It's uncomfortable. I, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. This puts me in a little bit of a situation, but I'm with you completely. This is what the armor bearer knew. The taste of victory lasts longer than the memory of defeat. The taste of victory lasts far longer than the, enemy, uh, than the memory of defeat. See, your enemy provides God an opportunity to reveal his commitment to you. So some of you are like, God, I just want you to kill them. <laughs> they've, been, they've been hating on me. They've been talking about me. God, just kill them. <laughs> kill my boss, God. He's been cutting my hours. <laughs> God, you know I need the money. I didn't took Sundays off, God, to come to revival. Kill them. I stopped praying that God would kill my enemies. You know what I start praying? God, keep them alive long enough to see me get blessed. I, I, I want them around long enough to see me walk into the things that you have for me. I need them at the table to witness what you're doing. I, I, I just wonder, is there anybody here that said, God, I'm going to trust you even in the presence of my enemy because I believe that victory is mine against all lives. Your enemy is an announcement from God that your present season has come to a conclusion. If Goliath never would have presented himself to David, David would have been known as a shepherd boy. But the fact that Goliath showed up was an alarm to David that my season of tending sheep is now over. It's time for me to go kill some giants. Is there anybody here that's grateful that your enemy is positioning you to walk into your new season? How many giant slayers do I have in the room today? <laughs> your enemy is an announcement from God that your present season has come to a conclusion. Hey, has this been a trying week for you? Has this been a week where you are under attack? Has this been a week that feels like it's pressing you on every side? I came to tell you, attack is the proof that the enemy anticipates your victory. The fact that you're going through what you're going through is proof that the enemy expects you to win. He, he anticipates that you will be triumphant over whatever it is that he presents you with, so he has to attack you to distract you from the victory that God has already given you. But I believe that I'm in a room full of people that be believes against all odds. Even when it seems like I'm being pressed on every side, even when I can't wrap my mind around it, even when it don't make sense, I'm gonna give God everything that I have. 
Number three. Number three. God called you to conquer, but he won't spare you the climb. God called you to conquer, but he, he won't spare you the climb. I, I love how little details the Bible gives us when it says that Jonathan and the armor bearer defeated 20 men. Like, it just blew past that. Like, it was like, Jonathan and the armor bearer, they killed 20 men. That's all good and dandy. But let me tell you about the climb. Now, now think about this. The, the reason I believe that it identifies the number is because God wants you to see how uneven this battle was. And this excites me. Because if it wasn't a mismatch, there could have never been a miracle. I said, if there had not been a mismatch, there could have never been a miracle. Are you in here today and you feel like, oh, oh man, this is way too much. I don't even understand how I'm going to get through this. I, oh, man, this is way too big for me. I don't understand how this is possible. When you think that God has brought you all the way here and this is the end, God says, this isn't a period. This is just a comma. I'm still going to do great things to you. I'm still going to move through you. I'm still going to show you that I am God over your situation and your circumstance. Not only am I able, but I'm willing to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to the power that worketh in who? It said work in you. God has given you the victory, but he won't spare you to climb. The Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 4, through five, the message version, it says the pass that Jonathan was planning to cross over to the Philistines, garrison flanked on either side by sharp rocks, a cliff named Bazaz and Sina. The cliff to the north faced Michmash, and the cliff to the south faced Gibeah. One side was slippery, the other side had thorns. And the word of God says that Jonathan and the armor bearer had to get on all fours to scale the mountain, to get to the battle. This is what I want you to take notice of progress is never pretty. In, in order for you to get to where God has called you to be, you got to get dirty. You, you got to have some dirt under your fingernails. You, you got to be willing to crawl like a dog to get the victory that God has for you. You got to be willing to go after it like a pit bull. You got to be willing to get some dirt on your hands and dirt in your toenails and dirt in places you didn't think were possible. Is there anybody here that says I'm willing to get dirty to go after the thing that God has for me? It's painful. It's costing me. But I believe God has given me victory. Progress isn't pretty. It says that they crawled on all fours and 
It says on one side it was slippery and on the other side it was stormy and says that they were, they were crawling up there and Jonathan looked back to the armor bearer and said, follow me. Every place that I put my foot, you put your foot. Every place that I place my hand, you place your hand. See, this is what the word of God said. Every place that your feet shall tread, I've already given it unto you. Is there anybody grateful that God has already given you the victory over every battle, over every mountain, over everything that you put your hands to? Progress is not pretty, but it's always necessary. Progress is going to cost you who you think you are. It's going to find out who you really are. Progress is uncomfortable, but it's always necessary. Scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 13, the message version, Jonathan shouted to his armor bearer, up, follow me. God has turned them over to Israel. Jonathan scrambled upon all fours, his armor bearer right on his heels. When the Philistines came running up to them, he knocked them flat, his armor bearer right behind him, finishing them off, bashing their heads with stones. L listen to me, which leads me to point number four, is this, use what you got. Armor bearer said, listen, I don't have no sword, I don't have no spear, I, I don't have no gun, I don't have no knife, I don't even have a fork, but what we got around us is rocks. So I've got to use what I got. Listen to me, sometimes you may not have everything that you thought you would have, but you gotta use what you got. You're not limited by what you don't have, you're limited by what you don't use. You got to use what you got. See, some of you are looking for a weapon to be given to you, you got to use what you got. Some of you are waiting for the knife, some of you are waiting for the gun, some of you are waiting for the sword, but you got to use what you got. says that the armor bearer start bashing their heads in with the rock. I, I can remember before God got a hold of my heart and he's still working on me, y'all, so just bear with me. There's still a lot of fight in me. I, I, used to, I used to be a brawler, just fight for no reason. There were some, some situations where I didn't quite have everything I needed, so I had to use what I had. I had a sock and I had some rocks put them rocks in that sock and you can do some damage. Come on, somebody. I, I didn't have all the fancy weaponry, but I had to use what I had. See, some of you are waiting on God to give you what it is that you've been hoping for. And he said, everything that you need, I've already given you. You got to use what you got. See, see, Noah was, was, was out there and God had told him, listen, a flood was coming. You, you, you need to build a boat. It would have been easy for God just to drop a cruise line out of the sky and say, hey, your family's going to float away on this. He didn't do that. He said, Noah, there's some trees and there's some beavers. You better direct them to the trees so that you can use what you got. See, it would have been easy for God to just give David the head of Goliath. He didn't do that. He gave David five stones and a slingshot, and he told him to use what you got. Some of you are waiting on God to give you something, but you got to use what you got. See, the armor bearer said, listen, against all odds, I believe that my weapon will win. I believe 
that my weapon will win, and that's, that's the mindset that you have to have today. I believe that my weapon will win. I, I don't have everything that I, I need. I don't have everything that I want. I don't have everything that I desire, but what I do have, I'm going to use, and I believe my weapon's going to win. See, some of you, you may be down to just your praise. You may be down to your last hallelujah, but you have to know within your knowing that your weapon is going to win. Jonathan has a sword and Amabara has a stone. But a nation was depending on them for the victory that they had to win. And although you may be down to your last, or although you may be down to, to your last thing, there's people depending on your praise. There are people in this room today depending on your worship. There are people depending on your hallelujah and your thank you, Jesus, and, and God, I love you. God, I, I praise you. God, I lift you up. There are people depending on your weapon. Your weapon is praise. And if you got nothing but praise, you got more than enough. Jonathan understood, I don't know how we're going to win, but I see myself winning. I don't know how long it's going to take for us to get the victory, but I see myself having the victory. See, the further you see determines the destiny you walk into. If you can see it, you can obtain it. See, the enemy... He positions these things in front of you so that you get distracted by what you see versus what God said. If you can't see past your now, you can't see into your next. But listen, if you fight with the weapon you have now, I hear the Holy Spirit saying he'll give you the weapon you need for your next. I said, if you fight with the weapon that you have now, he's going to give you the weapon that you need for your next. If you'll fight with the weapon that you have now, you may not have anything, but Lord, thank you. You may not have anything, but Lord, I love you. You may not have anything, but Lord, you're good and your mercy endured forever. You may be down to your last hallelujah, but if you give it to him, he says, I'll multiply it and give it back to you. Whatever you got, use it. Whatever you got, use it. Whatever you got, use it. How many of you believe that your weapon is going to work? Don't leave your struggle without your strength. Your weapon is going to work this time. So you say, what is my weapon? Your weapon is Jesus. They only had one weapon, only had one real weapon. They only had one sword. The armor bearer had a rock. Today, you may be down to your last weapon, but as long as you got Jesus, he says, I'll give you the victory. He says, I'll give you what you need. He says, I'll make you an overcomer. He says, I've made you triumphant. Can we stand to our feet and can we lift the one weapon that we have? Come on, his name is Jesus.
Come on, hold those hands. Hold them high. Remember the scripture that I read? It says that the generation going ahead will teach the generation behind them. Can we be a generation of Jonathans in this room today? It's not determined by what you look like. It's not determined by how many gray hairs you have. It's not determined by, by how many wrinkles you have or, or don't have. It's not determined by, by if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian. It's not determined. It's determined by the heart behind why you do what you do. See, there's people depending on us. But we have to move beyond our comfort, out of the shade, out of the areas that we used to do things because we're used to doing them that way. We have to move beyond that. We have to mobilize. So that we could see God revitalize. And bring to life something that only he can do. See, in order to see God do the supernatural, you have to move beyond the uncomfortable. And so today, I just, I wonder, is there anybody here that says, I'm willing to climb on all fours to get to what God has for me. I'm willing to get ugly with my worship. I'm willing to get ugly with my praise. I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care who's judging me. I don't care about none of that stuff. I want to go after God. I want to pursue God. I want to seek God. If that's you, just flood this altar right now. Get out your seats. Come on down here. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're 19, whether you're 90, it doesn't matter. Just come down here. Let's go after God. Let's scale this mountain. Let's pursue him at all costs because he's given us the victory against all odds. And I can hear some of you now. It's, it's going to be crowded down there. It's going to be uncomfortable. Well, how do you think heaven is? It's too loud. It, it's too. How do you think heaven is? Listen, do whatever you got to do to get whatever God desires for you to get. Victory is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you who you think you are. It's going to cost who you made yourself to be. Victory is yours, but you have to pursue it. Come on, stretch those hands. If lifting your hands is a stretch for you, this is what I encourage you to do. I, I believe this. If you, if you don't lift your hands, move out of your comfort zone. Go to what I call holding the baby. Come on, hold the baby, hold the baby. You say, lifting my hands is uncomfortable. Just hold the baby, rock that baby. You say, I've been rocking the baby for a long time, Pastor Tim. I'm ready to move to the next level. Go ahead, throw that field goal up. Come on, put that field goal up. You say, I've been in field goal position for seven months. I'm ready to, to move to the next level. Come on, full extension. I believe I'm in a room of people who fully extend and fully understand that God has, through his son, made the sacrifice for us. So we're going to make the sacrifice in our worship today. Come on, if that's you, make some noise in this place.